Next, this month's special series focus on geriatric medicine and aging. ReachMD talks to experts about new thinking and innovations in the treatment of conditions of the aging body and mind. Asthma in seniors is becoming more prevalent and can present differently in older patients than we see with adults and children. How can physicians better approach diagnosing and caring for seniors with asthma? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Lee Friedman, and joining us to discuss diagnosing and treating asthma in seniors is Dr. Richard DeShazo, the Billy S. Guyton Distinguished Professor, Professor of Medicine and Pediatrics, and Chair of the Department of Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thank you for being with us, Dr. DeShazo. Well, Lee, thanks for inviting me, and just call me Rick. Most folks can't pronounce my name near as well as you do, so just call me Rick. All right, Rick. Thank you very much. Well, you wrote a very interesting two-part article in the American Journal of Medicine about seniors and asthma. I found it interesting to ask the question, is the prevalence rising just because there are more seniors, or is the disease actually becoming more of an issue? Well, it looks like both things are contributing. Let me tell you an interesting story as to how we did this. I'm a a chair of an academic department of medicine, and one of our chief residents decided he wanted to do pulmonary critical care medicine and came in and asked me what he could do to enhance his likelihood of getting into a competitive pulmonary program. And so we sat down and talked about what we were both interested in. And I shared with him the fact that in my own practice, I'm seeing a lot more seniors, folks over 65 with asthma than I had seen in earlier years. Obviously, some of this has to do with the survival statistics that folks are living to be older, but it's been pretty striking. So he and I decided to take a look at this, and we did a review of all the literature we could find, both on the epidemiology of asthma in seniors and then also in the treatment data, and ended up publishing these two papers, and he's now at University of Texas Southwestern in their pulmonary program, which is one of the ones he wanted to be in. So it worked out real well for him. (laughs) Very good. And it worked out pretty good for me because I got a chance to answer a lot of questions that I just didn't have an answer to. And it looks like that about almost 4% of seniors, 3.6% is the number we came up with, are going to have reversible airways obstruction. And that's a lot of folks. Some of it does reflect the increase in the aging population, but also it appears from the CDC data that we reviewed that not only is the prevalence, but the incidence of asthma is increasing as well as asthma mortality. And Lee, that's the thing that really concerned us the most. I had no idea, even having trained as an allergist and doing this for 30 years, that asthma was such a big issue so far as mortality in seniors, the data we found looking at various reference sources, and they were pretty concordant, suggests that the death rate for asthma in seniors is five times that in younger adults. Mm. And there are data from several studies showing that half of all asthma-related deaths occur in individuals over 65 years of age. So that's, those are pretty striking statistics. And uh, I think we have a problem that we've, at least from a personal standpoint, I've pretty much underestimated. It certainly is striking, and, and the natural history then of asthma seems to be far more serious in seniors. Is that because of comorbidities? Do we have any explanation for that? You know, it was amazing to find out that there has been only one study of the natural history of asthma in seniors, and that was a study published at the Mayo Clinic from their population 
which doesn't really reflect the population that I see here in Jackson, Mississippi. It was an all-white population of 98 residents of Rochester, Minnesota from 1964 to 1983. That is it. That is all in the literature. And that particular study actually showed no difference in historic survival among seniors with asthma and those without. But that does not fit with what the CDC data is showing and what our experience is. So we just don't have accurate data about the natural history of this disease, although I think the data on morbidity and mortality is pretty believable. Mm. So the epidemiology suggests that it is prevalent and becoming more so, and the natural history may, at least based on certain data, suggest that it's a more serious problem in seniors. Are we good at picking this up? Does asthma present any differently in seniors? Well, when we went back and dug through the literature, we also found some pretty interesting information on that. There's very good data including uh, methacholine challenge data where you have someone inhale a acetylcholine congener, which induces bronchospasm in asthmatics, that asthmatics, adult senior individuals, sense air hunger and experience bronchoconstriction very differently than younger patients do. They tend to experience symptoms with much more airways obstruction than younger people. In other words, they've got to be sicker before they actually feel short of breath. Mm. And they really have a, for whatever reason, a decreased sensation of air hunger all told. Moreover, there's another study that shows that their responses, their ventilatory responses to hypercapnia, having too much CO2 on board, are blunted. So these features of asthma, the clinical features that we look to people to bring them into the clinic to get medical help, which in primarily this feeling of cough and dyspnea and so forth, that bring in the young asthmatics, don't bring in the old asthmatics. So these same data show that asthmatics tend to be diagnosed much later in the course of the illness. And when they are diagnosed, when they present, they tend to have more fixed airways obstruction and worse obstruction than do younger patients who are diagnosed. And we hypothesize that this may reflect the fact that they just don't know they have it. And if you look at my mom who has asthma, who's 98, and we didn't know she had asthma until, gee whiz, late in her course, we thought she'd just you know, gotten tired of walking around, didn't want to move much. So as part of her workup for her fatigue and so forth, we got some pulmonary functions, and by golly, she had pretty significant asthma that was responsive. There's a crazy study that we found that was a nursing home study that was published several years ago that looked at pulmonary functions in a group of nursing home patients, 128 patients, and of those patients who had asthma by pulmonary function, only about half of them had been diagnosed. The prevalence of asthma in the group was as high as 40% in that very small population. So I don't think that's extrapolatable across the board, but certainly it's an underdiagnosed condition primarily because folks don't experience the same sort of uh, cough and dyspnea that younger folks do. And as a corollary, myself as a primary care doctor, that tells me I've got to really have my antenna up looking for this as a possible etiology in patients who may be fatigued or have other atypical symptoms and maybe do a spirometry more aggressively or more frequently. I think that is really the take-home lesson from this epidemiology is is that we have to think of it. And it's not something we traditionally think of when seniors come in and complain of fatigue and shortness of breath, we immediately think of heart failure. 
and if they don't have chemical or physical evidence to support it, we usually just sort of write it off to aging. And I think we do need to look a little bit more carefully to see if we can select those folks who may have asthma. If they have a family history of asthma or if they have had asthma or allergic rhinitis earlier in life, that is a real good indicator that this might need to be considered. That's out of my own clinical experience and very limited uncontrolled data because there, there are no natural history. But in my own practice, that's been helpful in trying to pick out people who might be at greatest risk for having reversible obstructive airways disease. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Lee Friedman. Dr. Richard DeShazo is with us, chair of the Department of Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and we are discussing asthma in seniors. Rick, let's turn to treatment. What data is there? I imagine we have to be careful with certain medicines we might use more freely in younger patients. Tell us about that. You're right on target there, Lee. We had some surprises when we pulled the English literature on asthma treatment in seniors, just like we did on the epidemiologic one. The literature was even more disappointing. There are no controlled trials of any of the presently available asthma drugs in seniors. All of the data that we could come up with to address issues like you've just raised, for the most part, come from populations that are mixtures of young and old or from COPD treatment data. There's pretty good data on chronic obstructive pulmonary disease mm-hmm. and these agents because many of the same agents are used for both, but just about flat nothing for isolated control studies of, of seniors. And the reason for that, I came to find out, is is that seniors have been systematically excluded from clinical trials of these drugs because of, they have so many comorbidities that it puts so many variables into the statistics trying to figure out what's going on with the drug treatment that it was very, very messy. Mm -hmm. And so they've just taken these folks out of those studies and we don't have any data. So it's pretty much a conundrum when you look at the literature. The one that I was concerned most about, of course, were the beta agonists, which, you know, everybody has been taking pox shots at since the 1970s. And being an asthmatic myself and knowing the side effects I get, even with the most selective agents, I figured there might be something going on there. And and we looked at that. There's been a lot of concern about hypokalemia and QT prolongation and so forth in these patients. And there are data to suggest that they actually do have, at least in the COPD population, a meta-analysis was performed that pretty convincingly showed that there were problems primarily with hypokalemia, which these agents can induce, especially if the patients are on diuretics, which many of our older patients are, and increased heart rates. And so that's something we have to be aware of, especially if the folks don't use these agents correctly. Many of these agents are in delivery devices that make them difficult for seniors to use because of the coordination Coordination. that they have to use. And so they tend to overuse them and use more than they should to get an effect. So whereas you or I would take a couple of puffs of an albuterol inhaler, they might take four or five to get the effect. That can get them in trouble. So hypokalemia is an issue, and increased heart rate is an issue in this population. For a rescue, rescue, would you then go with Zopinex to leave albuterol? Well, 
I guess it depends on whether I had stock. Who sells that? <laughs> Not so. Sure. No, I don't think there's any convincing data that Zyponex is any better than plain old albuterol in just about anything. And it does have a few less effects, but it certainly would be worth trying. It's more expensive. Yes. It's not generic. Did you know that it is not a generic inhaled corticosteroid? Not oh. a single one. Not even triamcinolone. That's asthma cord is still... It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Right. So that's another big issue as we look at treatment in these patients because they're on Medicare. They have, you know, donut holes and all kinds of other things going on. And so we really do have to watch about the cost of medicines. We also looked at the anticholinergics, and actually there's some data to suggest that anticholinergics may be pretty good for seniors. In some studies of acute asthma, they worked about as well as did beta agonists. There's no help in acute asthma in adding a beta agonist and adding a, an anticholinergic to a beta agonist. But to the contrary, in people who have asthma attacks, there does appear to be a benefit, an additive effect of adding the two together. But again, a lot of this is out of mixed populations, and we don't have a control trial in seniors. So we just don't have to fly by the seat of our pants. But since looking at this literature, I've used a lot more anticholinergics in asthmatic seniors and actually been pretty impressed with the response I've gotten, especially with folks who have a lot of side effects with beta agonist as a rescue medicine. Well, I very much want to thank our guest today, Dr. Richard DeShazo from the University of Mississippi Medical Center for discussing with us the treatment and recognition of asthma in seniors. Dr. DeShazo pointed out that the prevalence of asthma seems to be rising in seniors and that it may be more difficult to pick up as seniors don't present with symptoms quite as early as younger patients. So you have to have a high index of suspicion and perhaps go to that spirometry rather aggressively. He then outlined some guidelines for treatment, including thinking about the use of anticholinergics and leukotriene inhibitors as good agents in this population, although that's based on not a lot of data at this point. Dr. DeShazo, thank you very much. This has been very informative, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable from ReachMD Radio on the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air. Please also visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Geriatric Medicine and Aging. For a program guide and a complete list of shows, visit us at ReachMD.com.